0: I'm David Matson and this is Primetime 89. A chance for me to visit and talk story, check in and catch up with classmates from a generation ago. Finding out how they're doing, where they are, how they got there and what experiences they've had along the way. A border from Lanai, the band Hawaiian Time. A musician and a teacher and a really cool guy. These are all things that come to mind when I think of Kamala Romero. But he's also a wonderful husband and father. His time spread thin between his work, his family and community activities, his music, and now somehow finding the time to talk story with me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, so what you get up to?
1: Just now? It was, um, we're finishing up the uh, some last second things on this recording that we're doing scheduled to release January 1st. So I've been sending it out to some different mastering houses. Yeah, mastering is the last level of uh, finishing touches of a song. So you send them your music and they give you like a, a minute clip and um, you can decide if you like their work or not. Yep,
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, definitely worth the time and... <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm ready to roll. Stories about the good old days when neighbors were more neighborly. And you could go hunting all the time. And of course, the music. He was surrounded by music from as far back as he can remember. Kamanu shares what it was like growing up on Lanai.
1: So where did you grow up? So uh, I'm from the island of Lanai, born and raised. And my dad was a Lanai boy. My mom graduated from Kalani High School. My mom was running for um, a pageant. My mother needed a band and my father had a band so that was my dad's ticket into date with my mom so our our family started with music you know my father was a musician my mom sang and our original sound was all the 50s and 60s rock and roll and um, doo-wop music dad was stationed in um, downtown he was in hpd and you know was doing the china you know hotel street and all that kind of stuff and he just said i don't want to raise my kids here he um moved the family home I, I was born there a year later, but
0: so what was it like growing up there? You know, with with you and your brothers and everything
1: like that. It's probably boring for most people, but it's it's not like people tell me, "What do you do?" I just chill, and I like to go hunting. I like to go fishing. I like to just you know go hiking and stuff like that. It's you know it's not even no big deal to just hang. I, I love that. You know, so
0: is that the kind of place where you know you just leave your toys, your bicycle,
1: right on the front yard, and it's not going anywhere kind of place? It used to be. Now I heard it's not as much, but yeah, nobody locked the doors. You know, it was safe to, you know, walk anywhere at night. You know, you didn't have to look look over your shoulder or anything like that. Only only 3,000 people on the, on the whole island. Did you have any stoplights on the island growing up? No need to. There's not enough people. It's like a place that time forgot. You know? I always feel like I had the greatest upbringing, um, you know, it, super safe you know everybody coming from lanai there's nothing to do right so there's no like malls we didn't have any movie theaters um no no place to really go so we did everything as a family pretty much on weekends my father brought us camping or brought us to the beach you know you had every dinner together and you There wasn't really there was like two restaurants and only one open for dinner actually and it was too expensive for you to go all the time so all your meals were together. Um, so much time spent together. So, in fact, when I went to Kumamea, my youngest brother, is five years younger than me, he was crying every day because he missed me. Oh, so, like, man. i got to go home. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, till now, it, they're my best friends. We're as close as can be. Closest brothers can be. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Music. So, what's your earliest memory
1: with music at the home? Oh, man, just just singing, uh, singing in the parlor. You know all the time and really enjoying it and not just me i'm I'm definitely just listening i can still see my mom and dad singing together and and then us rehearsing from from little i remember i remember singing at parties i still remember being only like three or four years old or maybe a little bit older than that but um singing background for my brothers uh and then um these filipino men it was a filipino party and they throwing. Money at us at our feet and stuff like that, and I remember going and grabbing all the money and on, on the ground after I was i don't know how old I was, but it was i was we were very young, so that was some of my earliest memories
0: what were some of those songs that that you guys used to play a lot of growing up or your your dad used to play that
1: had special meaning um, It's most songs that my mom sang, my dad would play and my he would play the guitar, and my mom would sing, and it would be like um sad movies, sad movies make me cry um there's this German song that Elvis Presley did, um, Operation GI Blues or whatever the movie that is, the military movie that he made, the one he was in Germany. So my mom sings that, and it, that's still one of our best songs. Can't you see
2: that I love you. Please don't break my heart in two. Break my heart in two. Cause I don't have a wooden heart.
1: So my mom would sing it, and my mom has a cute little voice, and... We'd watch that movie too Elvis Presley movie but that's that's like that's the Romero song.
2: Yeah. And, and
1: then it, and it goes into German too.
2: Anyway, yeah. Love that song. Love it. I love it. Love
1: it. Yeah.
0: Wow, yes. that yeah, that that's that's the kind of stuff. I mean, music resonates a lot, you know, and and really kind of brings out those feelings. But when you got those songs that that connect even more, that's you know,
1: that's just even more special. Yeah, yeah. And we still make my mom play it. We yeah. we play, I would sing it. We play it, but she sings it. Yeah. 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 Oh, sweet, sweet. Thanks, Thanks for sharing. And I go home at least two, three times a year. My mother is still there, and my brother is, and I try to bring my family home every summer to. um Spend two or three weeks and go camping and do all the stuff that I used to do. Ooh, nice! Up until this year, I finally changed my license because the Hawaii forced you. But it it said it said Lanai until this past August when they forced me to to um, use my residence here. Wow, that says a lot that you kept it for
0: you know almost fifty years. <laughs> I, can, I can relate to you know really um,
1: having that, that nostalgia for home. It wasn't for COVID because all I needed to was go home and get a couple of bills put on my name on Lanai, and then, but it was just a hassle. I didn't want my mom to to do too much either. So yeah. I plan to, plan to make that happen again someday. But Lanai is still my home, you know.
0: We never know what we're willing to do or what we're capable of until we're called to act. Through the challenges that find us in our lives, we discover our strengths and understand more clearly what matters most. So I understand your brother, Louis, was diagnosed with AML a few years back, yeah?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I was at a soccer game. My daughter was playing soccer, and I, I, I get a call, and my and so my brother, I, I see the number, and so I talked to his son, I said, how are you, Dad? And he said, I don't know, you don't look too good. So he had pneumonia like a week before, and it's him. And he, my brother told me, hey, "I get, I get leukemia." it's just my, 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 jaw, my jaw dropped. And I'm like, what? And you know, and I remember just telling him, "Say, don't worry, we'll get, we'll get through this together." You know, but still, in the back of my mind, it's like, damn, this is some serious stuff here. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, so anyway, he flies up to Honolulu immediately. He 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 needed immediate care, so. He starts his chemotherapy and is a major thing. It's not like it's it's not like other cancers. You 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 you're going to be in the hospital for a month, and then so we get it to remission. Um, after another week or two, I'm in the hospital every day for a month um, with him every day, and then. Um, and this this is in Honolulu. Honolulu, yeah. And then and then even after he was out of the hospital, he stayed with me for another month or two. And so he he's in remission. But when he's still in the hospital, the doctors do a genetic test, and they see a a, a mutation in a gene that said it's going to come back. You're going to need a bone marrow transplant. So you're in remission now, but that one particular gene is not where you want to be. It's going to come back. So we do a bone marrow drive and stuff like that. Thank God my brother Kekai is a 100% match. And so a few months later, my brother goes to Seattle to do the... Um, the transplant mm-hmm. and then we go there and the doctors like this match so much that they'd like to do a stem cell because it's a better than bone marrow. It's just a scary thing though, because we didn't know at the time because my brother t- didn't tell me, but we basically gave him a 5% chance to live. Um, and then he, he didn't tell us that until after, but then, and then even up until the time where you're doing the, the whole process of the stem cell thing, Mm-hmm. You, you know, so touch and go because they put you through so much chemotherapy and radiation because they're trying to kill as much radiation, uh, as much cancer cells as you can before you do the transplant.
2: Yeah.
1: You need a caregiver. So my mother's there taking care of them because my, 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 my sister-in-law has young children at home. I fly up after to relieve my mother. I stay there for three weeks. And I get there. My brother looks like a corpse. He's green. He's, well, half his body weight. You know, you don't know if you're gonna they're going to make it. Um, a, a person that did the transplant the same day is he had already passed. Oh no! Uh. And yeah, and you're living, we're living at the cancer house. So you see all these people and you, and then I start getting to be friends with um, other caregivers who's taking care of their family members, husbands, wives, sisters, brothers. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and some of them make it, some of them don't make it, some relapsing. And it's just a lot of praying and a lot of, um, so... A lot of um, hope, you know, there's, there's the thing is it's like a city of hope, they call it. Yeah, you know, you hear of cancer and it, you have a lot of hope. You have a lot of prayers and thank God, you know, I, you know, every day I'd go, you know, I would make his, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner. Basically, I took off from school mm-hmm. and every time I went into his room, he had the Bible on his chest, either reading it or sleeping on, with it. Mm-hmm. It's just faith, you know, you, you have faith that God will see, see you through it's been six years post transplant and my brother is still here. You know, in life, you, you take a lot of things for granted. And even my brothers, when I tell them bye, I tell them I love you. Because you, you know, sometimes you think about um, your problems and problems that you may be going through. Or, like, you know, you talk about what is a bad day. Oh, my worst day is not even one day my brother had in in, in, in cancer treatment. My worst day in life. It has nothing like what he had to go through, and you know, I, 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 and I seen him, and you know how that chemotherapy affects your uh, your psyche and the medicine and and your uh, depression and fog and all that stuff that sets in, and so you just never know when your your time is up. And so, just an appreciation of life uh, when you see somebody goes through that, and, and it also makes me um, think of others who are going through that fight too. And, and especially to steven you know my heart goes out to him yeah 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 thanks for sharing oh no easy thank you
0: memories of kamehameha whether it's the freshman run or song contest the smell of flowers or the sound of buses we all have indelible memories from high school kamanu shares some of what he remembers how do you think your high school classmates remember you
1: Went to Kamehameha from freshman year, yeah, so. When I went to Kamehameha my freshman year, I was pretty bashful, man. Coming from Lana'i, where I knew my forty, well, 30-something classmates since kindergarten, being related to half the island, then going to a school about 340, and then going to a place where it's so big and you hardly know anybody, I was kind of shell-shocked, and um, it took me a while to actually um get comfortable, you know, just being around, walking. I remember freshman year actually not being comfortable walking down the halls. You know, but, you know, if you knew me, you know, people in the dorms or people who had classes with me, they, they knew that I was a, a fun guy, nice guy, country jack, you know, yeah, um, like to have fun, you know, playful, playful and stuff like that. And then I think guys who didn't know me, I think for the most part, they, they knew I was a cool guy. You know, I, I, was, I wasn't a troublemaker. When I went to high school, everybody got into ball. They still hunt with rifle, but you can only you can hunt with rifle so many times during the year. There's a fall season and a, and, and a spring, and it's only one time. With, with bow and arrow, you can hunt every day of the week. I shot my first deer at 10 years old. So all my classmates, all my hunting friends, they all got into bow and arrow, and I didn't because I was at Kumbhameha, and I'm, I know I would be into it because when I retire, I want to be going bow hunting. And um, I have a bow. Somebody just gave me a bow, so I got to start practicing. I already got my son a bow, so I, I – I learned from my mistake. He's he's gonna he's gonna hunt deer. He's only ten, so twelve years old. He's gonna hunt with rifle, but I'm already getting starting on the bow and arrow, though.
0: Are there any things that you held on
1: to from high school, like mementos or anything like that? So the only thing I have that I know I have, like, I have this trophy. I won the um, uh, basketball MVP for the dorm. they've have, they have leagues eh? they have, you know basketball baseball softball and so my senior year, I won the uh, MVP for basketball and for some reason that trophy still around I don't know I guess I was proud of it it was hard. it was hard fought for and hard earned but
0: um, so if you could have one of your former teachers be your child's teacher too who would that be and why
1: okay so miss little john was my freshman year math teacher and so I was always pretty good at math. And even when I took the entrance exam, I, had, I was in a 91 percentile. I remember my father saying, you know what that means? I, said, well, I don't know. You see, that means only out of 100, only nine kids sm- smarter than you in math. Anyway, Miss Little John helped me get to where I should have been at. You know, so and she was a great teacher.
2: Uh, she was little our
1: yeah, she's African-American short little teacher but she was a little firecracker i loved her <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: nice nice after high school kamanu took some time off from college to follow his passion for making music with his brothers and some friends what are some of the misconceptions you had about what life after high school was going to be
1: like i didn't know what i was going to be at the time i didn't think too far in, into the, into the future you know my father always made me know i was going to go to college and and do that stuff so you know from high school i know i was gonna go to college and so when i graduated my bachelor's degree i, I spent one year just playing music I, so i worked on a the windjammer um cruise there's the, a boat on the ocean no the wind jammer the rela okay. it's a big old ship um it was parked right next to the uh, maritime center so so i did that like f- five nights a week and then we had our just released our second album so it was really busy so what I know is that it was a fun year. So the band is is my four brothers and this guy named Kalani Beninua from Lanai, and then so we we had we made our first album, and then my youngest brother Mahino, was graduating from high school. So I and I was at UH Manoa. I said, let's move the band up here. Let's perform. So I asked them, um, Kelly, our our classmate from freshman year, to to join us. So my so my two younger brothers, Graydon and I, all lived together. So it was just a great um great time you know playing music living with those guys and i was so i was about 24 at the time so it felt like i was still seven, eighteen because i was just living with the boys i just wish i was single at that time that's the only thing that i wish <laughs> 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 i wish i was single at that time but hey but still a great year <laughs> where did you guys live we lived right uh right off university actually so even even better so moose's mm-hmm. was right there and oh my Okay, so the funniest story. Okay, so one night, I'm like sleeping already. I, I, I don't know exactly, but somebody's knocking on the door, knocking on the door. So I'm like, who's this? Like two, three o'clock in the morning. So I open the door, and it's Kiala Silva, drunk as a skunk, drunk as a skunk, drunk, 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 drunk. And so, and then he's with a girl and this girl was not his type. <laughs> Let's just put it that way, not his type. He was passed out. And then anyway, I have a song that's called Hangover. It's on our uh, second album. It's about that night. It, so it, and we even referenced Kiala's name at the end of the song. So it's called Hangover. Let's check it out later. <laughs> I hope that didn't happen every weekend for him. <laughs> we still remind him about that night. I, I don't oh, think yeah. he remembers too much about it, but he... he, he he knows. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. All thanks to Keala.
0: You know, each member has a distinguishing personality mm. that appeals to a subset of the audience. And, and I'm assuming that um, your band is no exception. So, so when I say a name, I want you to say the first word that comes to mind about them. Are you ready? Yeah. So we start with you, Julian Kamalnu. First word. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> of, course, of course, you gotta go with cool <laughs> John
1: Mahina Sly Louis Pinay mm. Ladies man And that's the fireman, right? Yeah
0: Isidoro Kekai
1: Panties with telephone numbers on top <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Sorry>.
1: <laughs> when we were performing, he was the Kramer's man. It was a great thing for the band, and We had a lot of fans that time.
0: <laughs> Terrence Kalani
1: Benenua. Falsetto, sweet voice. Yeah. Great and Kelly. Purple Raindrop, Purple Raindrops. <laughs>
0: All right, last one. Louis Julian.
1: Inspiration, man. Inspiration. Yeah, my dad. Right on, man.
0: If you could have lunch with a classmate who you didn't really know too well back in high school, who would it be and why?
1: My brothers and I started taking gigs again. We, we didn't play for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. And then we started playing at um, uh, Haliva Joe's out, out in, in Kaneohe. And... You no, know, you just brought up Jason Wahini Okai. You know, I never knew him in high school, and you know, I knew of him. He would come to every gig, and in fact, the first you know, the first gig he came, a bunch of classmates came, and a bunch of them come all the time. You know, our classmates really supported us, especially there because it was a um, nice place. So dinner and some gi- drinks. First time, I was like, I wasn't even sure who that was. So he 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 told me how I was in, was talking to him, and I was like, who is this guy? And then they said, oh, it's Jason Wahini Okai. Like, I got to know him. We got to be friends, and so. When you have that question, I, I don't know, you know, you just think about other classmates that n- maybe never knew in high school, but, you know, you could have been friends. You know, a lot of times friendship is all because you were in the same class or you played the same sport or something like that. But, you know, some guys that you could have really chilled with and, and became friends if you just had the opportunity. Yeah.
0: Who do you still keep in touch with from high school?
1: Cala Silva is still um, someone I'll call. You know, in fact, I could just talked to him the other day. And the great thing about him, you know, he's, he's everybody's best friend. He was my best man in my wedding. We have some great great people in our class. Miley Munden, Andrew Lai, Wendy Wendy Brown. I get to see them every once in a while and they come support us with music.
0: Kamano has a passion for music and a talent working with kids. My daughter loves music and performing, and so Kamano graciously spent time answering some of her questions about being a professional musician.
2: Hi, uncle. Hello what were your 50s or 60s inspirations personally i like nat king cole he has a lot of nice oh yeah nice songs.
1: yeah so i i liked a lot of the um Shebop bop she bop song, like
2: in the still of the night, darling I
1: all that kind of sincerely sincerely that's the stuff that we were i was raised on
2: so i um i'm kind of interested in performing music and writing music.
1: Okay, so so a couple of things. First of all, writing songs, the the first thing is you need a a, a hook, the the title, yeah? Something that's going to repeat over and over again. So it's it's the theme. And just remember, you cannot have too much of a good thing. Sometimes the best songs, uh, the most popular songs, just have about 25 to 30 words in the whole song. And you keep it simple. You know, there was a band when we were young called KISS, K-I-S-S. It means, keep it simple, stupid. I started playing when I was young. Uh, My father and my mother are musicians. So just being immersed by so much music from the 50s, 60s and 70s, and then learning how to play ukulele and guitar, it allowed me to just have a really good feel for for composition. If that's something you want to do, study other songwriters, study music as much as you can. And the great thing about for now is you can learn so much with YouTube and stuff. So if you find a song that you really like, go to much, pretty much any song, and they will have how to play that song on YouTube. Whereas before we had to, we had to struggle. Like if there was a song that I wanted to learn, I'd have, have this cassette player. I don't know if you know what is cassette player, but no. <laughs> it's like a, how you guys listen to music on computer. We had this tape, and you had to you had to reverse. It'll take seconds to rewind, and then I'd have to go. Press play, stop, and then write what I heard. Press play, stop, write what I heard. So it would take hours just to get the lyrics to all of all the songs. You couldn't go on Google. There was no Google you could search lyrics for. Or And then you had to fig- after you write all the songs down, you had to figure out the chords. You had to actually have a guitar and bass and try to listen to what you hear and then try to figure out what chord it is. And then a lot of times the chords was wrong because oh. you're playing, playing something that is close to what you think it is, but it's different. Where nowadays you go on... Google, they will tell you the exact chords, you know, and it's it's much easier to be a musician now than it was back in, in in my day. But you know, if that's something you're passionate about, yeah, listen to a lot of old stuff, and then you play the guitar. Yes. Yeah. So just play, learn one song at a time in its entirety, and so when you learn a song, pretend you're that composer and internalize everything about that song, and then learn how to play it. Learn it without having to have the notes in front of you, and then then you you have the full power of what that composer felt, and oh. then you and then you'll be able to write your own music.
2: Well, thank you. Um, how many instruments do you play? I heard you say ukulele and guitar. And what is your favorite instrument?
1: I can play the bass. I can play guitar. I suck in drums, but I could I could probably get by a little bit. Uh, ukulele. Uh, Guitar? guitar is my main instrument, yeah. I play a lot of ukulele, but if I write a song, it's, it's on a guitar.
2: What is your favorite song you have written together? or like?
1: We were able to get a one-album contract, and in a couple albums, we had a few covers, like one or two. I, I've written over 100 songs. I write the songs for the group, and they sing it.
2: Do you think in the future you might collaborate with your children and maybe make a song with them?
1: I want to record my son. I have a song called Dinner in a Movie. Um, it's a young kid song. So the, the, it goes,
2: how, how about a dinner and a movie? Dinner and a movie, movie and dinner.
1: I don't know if he's up for the, ch- the challenge. So we'll oh, see. to
2: should totally do that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And he's, he's a cute kid. So we could do it. But when I try to practice with him, <laughs> uh, it doesn't really work. So at, he's 10 now. So maybe at 12. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter's name is. Polihua, it. But I, I'm gonna sing a song on this next release, and it's a, a song that I wrote for my daughter. I wrote it when she was a baby. She's 13 years old now, but so it's either gonna be my baby Polihua or my darling Polihua.
2: It's nice. Yeah,
1: thanks.
2: What do you think um, the best part about writing music is for you, or music in general?
1: The, these songs are true story. You know, like like one song I wrote about my, when my grandmother passed is called Kuu and um you, you could listen to that on youtube Hawaiian time cool too, and it's just it's my heart being poured onto to paper and and um into into song and my first couple albums is all like happy love songs and then i go through this dark period where it's all <laughs> sad stuff. Because you, okay, you know something happened in my life and now it's all sad songs. So what happened to the love songs? I mean, you have love songs still, but they're all not happy songs. So, you know, you pour your soul into it and people know a little bit too much about you sometimes, but yeah, that, that's, that's how it goes if you're a songwriter. In the 90s, from 93 to 99, we put up five albums. I would like to record as many as can. You know, as long as people keep listening, then I'll put them out.
2: What advice would you give to your younger self? One
1: piece of advice that I would—I I actually was given by my father, though—that I would share to to you and any inspiring musicians is: my father always told me, D- "Don't quit your day job. Do not quit your day job because music is something where um, very few people can can do it a- as and make a de- decent living. You don't give up on your dream like that, but you have something to fall back on." Get a college degree in something that can earn you money and then follow your music as, as, a, as a passion. And maybe it'll turn out something where it can can be um, financially worth it, but at least you'll have something to fall back on. So don't quit your day job.
2: Thank yeah. you so much.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. Well, they yeah. say that, you know, if you find the job
0: that you love, then you never work another day in your life, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I teach music. I teach children how to play the ukulele. Like, I wish I could have recorded my, my, my session yesterday with my kids, virtual teaching. You know? And, you know, we open up. This is 8 o'clock in the morning. And I say, kids, take out your ukulele. Let's tune up. And the next thing you know, we're jamming for 25, 30 minutes, song after song after song. That's better than vitamin C and coffee in the morning. I don't need co- black tea coffee in the morning, but I'm singing. I'm energized. So it, that job, my teaching job is not work.
0: And that's where you recharge,
1: well yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's a long day, so it, it, it is work, but it's it's not like any teaching job. The majority of our students are behind in mathematics and language arts, so you know they're they're in general they're they're behind in their score, so the principal said at the time, don't give homework because we need them to do the math and language arts if If I give a music um, homework and the homework is to go um, uh, read up about Rihanna or something like that. Uh, and then you got pre-algebra and, and a, a composition you got to do. But you only got one hour to do your work. Guess whose work they're going to do? How you <laughs> They're not going to do math. They're not going to do lag and drive. They're going to read up about Rihanna. So the principal said, well, don't give homework and let them do the language arts and math. So I'm just teaching kids what I love to do, which is play music. So it's a great job. The kids love my class. I'm, I'm their favorite class of the day. They look forward to it. You know, some people come to school for my class. So my bad day is not that bad most of the time. You know, it's it's different teaching virtually. There's no energy in the room sometimes. Like, I, I'm an energetic teacher, especially with music. So, but it's hard to capture that sometimes. You see them, but there's no connection. There's no sound. They're, they're all muted. I just tried something a little different. This is my advanced kids. So they, I had them last year already. It's so even watching yeah. Yeah, so even one kid said, oh, good vibe. It's a good vibe today or something like that. And we just, I, I sang a song. And right after the song, I kind of screamed. And I said, thank God it's Friday. I love Fridays almost as almost as much as I love ice cream. And let me tell you, I love ice cream. And then I, we sing one more song. And I scream one more time. And I go, at the end of the song, I said, oh, thank God it's Friday. Did I tell you guys that? And they are like, I said, I love Fridays almost as, almost as much as I love candy. And one kid goes on, Mister. Remember, I thought you said it was ice cream. I said that too. And you know, I, I like to teach with a lot of humor and stuff. And I, I haven't felt that in, it, virtually. I, I feel like I cannot. And when you when you do that, music has a way of charging you. So I was charged for the whole day.
0: Retirement is an opportunity to focus on what we want to do in life. I'll give you one guess as to what Kamau plans to do once he retires.
1: We're forty nine now, so I got six more years, and then I'll leave the state. I was supposed to teach for 10 years, get my tenure, yeah. uh, my, you know, my retirement rights, and then, um, and then just do financial advising. But I ended up staying. And um, with financial advising, I, I only do so many clients and make sure I'm not um, negating anything on that side. So I, I, don't, I don't do more. Music, same thing. I don't do more than I, I need to. Most of my songs, a couple hundred, it was written when I, before I started being a full-time teacher and stuff. Yeah, Because you need to have uh, mental space. And I don't really have it with everything that's going on. So, like, so in the summers and stuff, I I I really write a bunch of songs. Mm-hmm. So when I retire, that's I'm gonna really try to get into it.
0: What's the most meaningful thing
1: you know you've done in your life? Oh, ah, definitely being a father, man. I, yeah, you know I I come from you know you, you know we talked about how close my family is, and you know I was 29 and I was an uncle of many. But none of my own, <laughs> you, you, know, you know what I mean? Were
0: uh, you the, the last one to get married in your family and have kids? Oh, so,
1: yeah, I was the last. My oldest is 13, and my oldest niece and nephew are like 27, right? <laughs> so, you know, it took 14 years after my first. So, yeah. But, you know, it, it worked out. Uh, it was probably the right time for me, too, because uh, I, I, um, I was a busy man, too, in my 20s. So by the time I was 29, I was ready to settle down
0: yeah well all good things come with time
1: yeah definitely
0: yeah cool so you said that don was from Kauai. yes and um so tell me how did you guys meet there was a party there was a that, lot that's, lot of- that's a most good <laughs> thing there's a party
1: right there was a lot of <laughs> alcohol and um no 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 um actually um so i teach choir and she was teaching at an elementary school right next to our school and i perform at all our feeder elementary schools i bring my choir and so i met her at, at that school a friend of mine was her friend um she was in a doe state of hawaii but now she's at Mea, the preschools out in waianae and she's a little bit younger than i am but mm-hmm. uh came at the right time you know it was, i thought i was gonna be um single with keala for the rest of my life and, we'd be <laughs> sucking them up and you know i got married at 33 and i didn't have my first child to 35 so it was a real planned out kind of thing after a while I didn't rush into it when i have young kids I, I started late in the game so i have a 10 year old and a 13 year old so they don't need too re- too many reminders that their dad is old
0: <laughs> <laughs> So that, that is kind of like a classmate who you didn't know too well in high school but you know you had a few beers with
1: oh there'll be there'll be a, a lot of guys <laughs> 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 so beer with you <laughs> hey yeah, yeah
0: meeting up with some friends at a bar and then your friend comes up to you and goes what you having
1: whatever you buying <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm a cheap date man Good light Good light <laughs> so how do you eat your eggs oh over easy is my preference yeah so over easy uh you put anything on it some hot sauce, man. Tabasco. I love t- Tabasco on that thing.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: I actually like this thing called um, oh, what? Red Devil. little less hot than Tabasco.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Try it. It's super cheap and it's super good. More vinegary. I like
0: sriracha ketchup. 30%. 40%. 40% <laughs> you
1: know, it has good on the eggs, man. And you, can you taste your eggs after that, man?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so what's your comfort food? I mean, anything. But just the, the taste of home, you know. A lot of Filipino food, you're married Filipino, so you know some of that stuff can be sometimes, um, you know, an acquired taste, you know, for some people, but you know, it's first, first-hand first nature for me. And then yeah, I'm such a pig when it comes to food, that's why I got to do on a fasting diet because if not, I'll just eat myself to death. Um, but but I love food, man, I love to eat and I like to cook, you know, my, both sides of my family, there are some good cooks, yeah. So we were raised to um, cook our own food, so I like cooking, so I've been um. Diving into the Italian cookbook and yeah, I can I can cook anything. I even cook Filipino food. Some of the uh, ethnic stuff I, I can do pretty. So easy. give
0: me an example of what other Filipino dishes that you
1: make? Oh, just some of the standards um like adobo, pinak bet, mm.
2: um,
1: sari sari. Not the crazy stuff. No dog. No dog on my menu either. You know, a lot of times they, they tell Filipinos eat dog. I say you know. Sometimes my Hawaiian friends say you know the Hawaiians you see eat a lot of dog too. Yeah, they they, they have a uh, some books from Cook and stuff where they, when Captain Cook was around here, they had an emu with 500 dogs. Whoa, the Hawaiian heads had small dogs as well. So, you know, we needed a lot of them to feed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what, what about uh,
1: like a healthy diet routine? In, intermittent fasting. Um, you know, there's kind of a lot of research in it. And I, I've been doing it off and on for the last couple of years. I've been on it for a while now and I I don't do it every day, maybe like five days a week though. And it's, it's easy. It's easy when I'm working. So, you know, I, I eat up until about like eight o'clock at night and then I don't eat until lunch or late lunch. And then I, you know, so you, so what it is is you, you, you don't eat for 16 to eight hours and then you eat for eight to six hours depending. Yeah. I'm able to keep off weight and I don't even notice, I don't notice that I'm hungry, you know, like in the morning when I didn't eat breakfast and sometimes I don't even eat till like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I don't notice that I'm hungry It's because I'm working though. I'm teaching. yeah. So I, I'm too busy to, to get hungry, I guess. And I feel fine. Actually, when I eat breakfast, I feel more sluggish during the day. I like the routine.
0: But if I have like something that's really filling, gosh, I'm I'm dragging for the rest of the day. And Another,
1: yeah, hour I'm later, gonna... later, eh? yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i still keep, i still do those every once in a while but yeah i know exactly what you're feeling you hit a wall after that yeah after a big lunch oh right after i eat that i'm getting tired like, <laughs> oh, yeah. i Time to go night night
0: yeah it <laughs> is it is <laughs> do you have an exercise routine
1: you know i i did up until um the lockdown and stuff so when my my son has soccer practice i i'm usually running around on the side just I, I do sprints. I I I don't like um, long distance running, but I, I read that sprints are better anyway. So I, I'll sprint for about 15 seconds, not full on sprint, not like I'm trying to win a race, but it's you know, intense. Um, what do you call uh, an intense run? And I'll run for about 15 seconds. Then I'll walk for about 30 seconds. Then another, maybe, and it will be probably about 30, 40 yards, or f- maybe 50 yards. Nah, no, not 50. I, I, I think that's too long, but, yeah, 20, 30 yards, and then I walk and sprint again. I'll do it for about 15, 20 minutes. I'm trying to stay young, my man. That's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: So, how do you feel about turning 50? Oh, brah. You're 50. Now you're 50. <laughs> <laughs> we're all
1: 50. <laughs> it's kind of scary, though, because it's like, oh, that was fast. <laughs> yeah, just fast. And then, you know, you're almost in denial. Like, but then, when, think about it, when you were 30, Anybody who was 50 was old. Eh? <laughs> like I hear somebody, oh, I don't even feel that old. I go 49, I don't even feel that old. But just remember, when you was 25, when you was even 30, somebody 49, 50 was old, yeah. Or well, you, that guy now. <laughs> it was, was so funny. So a few years ago, I think I was called uncle three times in one day. I was like, oh, brah, I really am uncle now, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness, yep. Uh, I'm I'm getting old, man.
0: So, what you got planned for the next ten years? Where do you want to see yourself in the next ten, twenty years?
1: Oh, shooting bow and arrow in the afternoon.
2: <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> Eating a deer too. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm gonna be. Um, I uh, we bought the family home in Kauai, um, so I'm probably be there, chilling. Cool. Hopefully.
0: Mm. How would you describe a
1: fulfilled life? Oh, I think just my children are okay. You know, you know. I think we put these guys into the world, and we got to be responsible with that. That's a huge responsibility, and I think people take it for granted, and they just think they're gonna have kids and put them out, and not realizing that um, the world that they're putting them into is. Is is it shouldn't be a worse place because of you? You should be trying to make a, this place a better place, yeah. And so train them well, t- give them love, um, and 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 raise them well, you know, and and then they, they okay. will make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. We're from all these different places in the world, brought to one school in our school. It's not by accident we're all put together, yeah? mm-hmm. you know, God put us there for a reason became friends and all because of commitment schools because god put us in that class class of 89 you know what hey hey not bad if it was class of 88 get some cool guys but just imagine if it was in class of 90 bruh. It would have been so boring we was put in class of 89 bruh. that's some good stuff
0: class of 89 that's the one you're number seven lucky number seven lucky number seven (laughs) I hope you enjoy this episode of Primetime 89 I'd like to thank our guest Kamanu Romero for taking time to talk story with us I'd also like to thank everyone who helped put this together Jamie Barboza and Nicole Yoshimitsu Sean Maskell Wendy Brown and Kaylee Aquaro and a special thank you to Dwayne Andres for the music and Elizabeth Matson with production and editing. I'm your host, David Matson. Be sure to subscribe to get the latest updates and news on upcoming episodes and join us again with another
2: classmate on Primetime 89.